You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number 54. Hey guys, happy Monday. I have a really cool episode, two episodes actually, the next two are going to be super cool to share with you guys. If you're a fan of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast and you recently listened to my birth story of Ryland and my postpartum experience episode with Ryland, you'll know that I recently hired on my friend, Tiffany. She's my friend and we have a lot of cool connections, which I'll go over in a second. Um, But I recently hired my friend Tiffany. She's been working for Mommy Laborers now for a little while, and she came on full-time a few months ago as well. And she was on that episode just talking through uh, helping to interview me for that birth story and that postpartum experience. And I've been meaning to have Tiffany come on and talk about her motherhood journey and how that has gone because it has been a whirlwind. (laughs) I'm not going to give any spoilers because she is just a wonderful storyteller and she just did a great, great job um, telling, you know, going through her experiences. So I'm not going to spoil too much, okay, because I really want you guys to tune in and listen to this. But I will tell you that her story from start to finish is really, really incredible. And it was really cool to sit down with her because I know her. I told this to her after the episode. I know her very well. And she is one of my best friends for sure. And I know all of these things that she told me. Um, as she was telling her her whole journey, everything, we sat down for a long time and talked through. But I can't say that I've actually heard it and actually kind of understood it um, before she really sat down with me and talked it the whole way through. So it was very cool for me as her good friend to hear this again, you know, in order giving her giving me everything in order and talking through her feelings and everything. Um, So it was cool for me as her best friend to hear it again. And yeah, it's always fun when you when you know somebody personally, when you interview somebody personally, um, definitely felt like I was going to cry a few times as she was talking. So yeah, super cool episode. So I did want to just preface, if you guys don't know Tiffany, we I guess we kind of go over it in the intro when I first start talking to her, but I wanted to go over as many connections as I can think of <laughs> that I, that I, how I know Tiffany. Okay. <laughs> so first of all, Tiffany and I have known each other for probably, I want to say 12 years because my husband and I have known each other and been dating for about 11 and a half years. So I've known her for a little bit longer than I've known Brian. Um, So we've known each other for about 12 years, but we weren't really friends back in the day. We kind of were more, um, I was much closer with her sister, Tara, which I still am. Like they're Tara and Tiffany are both you know, two of like my best friends. (laughs) Um, But I was definitely closer with Tara at first. And I kind of knew Tiffany because she was Tara's sister. So Tara and I worked together um, at a little restaurant in Raleigh, and we got to know each other and we, you know, hung out. And through her family, I kind of met my husband and we, you know, everybody, we were all kind of in the same circle of friends. So I've known Tiffany for, like I said, about 12 and a half years. And then, (laughs) so another connection is her husband that she's married to now uh, used to be Brian and I, uh, our roommate. (laughs) So 
Ben lived with my husband, Brian, before I even started dating him, started dating Brian and lived there. Um, and I moved in, all three of us lived there. We had a little dog, our little dog, Daisy. Um, <laughs> so all three of us lived there. So that's also a connection. Um, and then Tiffany and I probably started to get closer after she started dating Ben. <laughs> and this was uh, she can probably tell me better than I know, but this was probably five years ago. F- yeah, I think five years ago she started dating Ben. I think she said it in the episode. It was like a New Year's Eve kind of situation. <laughs> so Tiffany and I, we definitely started getting closer after that. Um, she started dating Ben. And this was kind of around the same time that she started working at the same hospital that I work at as well. So that's another connection. We also work at the same hospital in labor and delivery on the same floor. So yeah, we were co-workers and she was dating my, he wasn't still my roommate at the time, but my old roommate and he was also in you know the circle of friends we just all kind of knew each other so we started getting closer and then I think that was about the time that I got pregnant with Walter and we started bonding just you know over that and then Tiffany and Ben started hanging out more and getting real close and she eventually moved in um into Ben's house which Ben moved about a block away after he moved out. This is just everybody's real involved in my life now. Let's just go through, you know, Tiffany and Liesl real quick. So anyway, so Ben moved about a block away and Tiffany moved in with Ben there, lived there, started getting closer, you know, because she was now my neighbor. And then I think I had Walter and, you know, getting closer because now I had Walter and I think she was, she babysat a couple times, you know, would watch Walter a couple times for me. And then Tiffany and Ben moved out of that house and they built a house uh, across the street from us. So they lived about a block away, but now they built a house like across the street from us. Okay. So they were like even closer neighbors for a little while. And yeah, so we were neighbors for, I don't even know how the, how long they lived there, two years, something like that, a year and a half um, through, you know, she'll talk about when she got pregnant with her first one and we became even closer after that. They were over here or we were over at their house like almost every single weekend just hanging out. Um, so yeah, I guess she is, she's no longer my neighbor. She has moved away, which I'm very sad about, but it is what it is. <laughs> Um, so she, let's see, she was my old roommate's husband. She is a good friend. She's my best friend. She was my neighbor. She was my coworker. She is my coworker up at the hospital. And now she works for mommy labor nurse too. So yeah, we're just real intertwined. (laughs) And you know what? It works. Uh, Tiffany and I are very different. We're we're similar in some ways, but we're very different people. And I think that's why we get along so well and why we have so many of these connections and we've never really uh, gotten into huge fights or anything um, because we're very different people, but we respect boundaries <laughs> and yeah, it just works. So pretty cool. That's Tiffany in a nutshell. Is this even a nutshell? This is kind of a long intro. <laughs> But without further ado, let's get into this week's episode all about Tiffany. 
You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So guys, this is a special episode (laughs) that we're going to do because I know Tiffany personally in all aspects of my life, every aspect of my life. She's my friend. I guess you're technically not a member of my family. That's probably the only aspect of my life that you're not like a blood relative of mine, but she's one of my good friends. She is also a member of Mommy Labor Nurse. I work with her. We just have a lot of lot of connections. (laughs) So with that said, um, I wanted to, she's had two kids and I wanted, I've been meaning to have her on the podcast to share both of her uh, birth stories and just everything that that entails. So you've been on here before Tiffany and people kind of are starting to get to know you and know, you know, who you are, but can you, I guess, again, tell listeners who haven't heard you in other previous episodes, a little bit about yourself and your background and just who you are. Yeah. So I'm Tiffany. I um, am a labor and delivery nurse. I have been working as a L&D nurse for five years, five and a half years, somewhere in that range. I did a couple years of just kind of basic med surge nursing before switching over to L&D. It was something that I've always, always wanted to do and um, super, super passionate about women's healthcare in general. And once I made the move, it was just a done deal and I love it. Um, so yeah, I'm married. I've been married for two and a half years to um, Ben, who is very good friends with Liesl and with her husband, Brian. Fun fact, Ben actually used to live with Brian and Liesl. Um, he lived with, with, with three of us. Yeah, it was really cozy. Um, Ben and I like knew each other at that point, but we didn't like really talk or hang out a lot or anything. And then, yeah, what five years ago, almost now. I know. Like a random New Year's (laughs) Eve night, we just happened to be at the same party that my sister was hosting, and that was just kind of the start of it. And like literally, the rest is history. Um, So yeah, we got married two and a half years ago. And Liesl, your husband actually married us, which yeah. is another, <laughs> another fun <connection>. fact. Um, <laughs> yeah, Brian married Ben and I, which is really, really cool. Um, and then, yeah, we got pregnant pretty quickly after um, we got married. And then we're going to get into all the rest of it here. Because <laughs> there's a lot to unpack. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to start at the very beginning. So Tiffany, if you could go back to kind of where you left off where you, after you got married and talk about getting pregnant with your first. And if you had any issues, you know, getting pregnant or what that entailed, and then we can start and you can talk about that pregnancy and difficult, any difficulties that you had, and then we can jump into that birth. So go ahead and start from the beginning. So yeah, Ben and I got married in April, April 14th, 2018. And 
I actually came off of birth control a couple months prior to that by accident. Actually, I was on the NuvaRing. Um, and anybody, if you've been on the NuvaRing before, you, you know, insert it for three weeks and then you're supposed to take it out for a week and you just keep, you know, doing that kind of schedule. And in January of 2018, we were about to get married in a couple months and I forgot to put it in. Um, I didn't realize that I forgot to put my NuvaRing in until like, I don't know, three weeks after I forgot to put it in. And I was actually at work and had like a little bit of spotting and it, like I'm a was like a very regular period kind of person and I was yeah. like this is super super weird and I don't know what possessed me but I was in the bathroom at work and like I stuck my finger up into my <laughs> vagina and was like oh my god oh crap it's not in there <laughs> my new ring isn't in there and I was like oh no and and thank goodness, one of my good friends that we work with, Claire, she was at work that day. And I immediately went and got her and was like, oh my God, oh my God, freaking out. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> so I called Ben pretty quickly after that and told him what was going on. And I went home that day, like that night, and it was too soon to take a pregnancy test. Like based, you know, I also kept track of periods and whatnot. So yeah. what I knew was I forgot to put it in. I knew that we like we're having essentially unprotected sex during that time because I thought it was being protected. And, and yeah, and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to take a test for at least another week or so. So we just kind of, you know, got through that week and I took a test <laughs> and it was negative. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like looking back, I'm kind of glad that that happened actually, because I probably wouldn't have taken it out that early otherwise, but that was like kind of my feeling like we weren't like scared or nurse nervous if, if it was going to be positive. I mean, outside of the fact that we were going to get married in a couple of months, it was like, we, we would have been really, really excited if it was positive, even if it was an accident or whatever. So yeah, I took out my birth control and, um, we got married in April and for whatever reason, you know, that whole time, obviously we, we were kind of like being safe, you know, using condoms. Um, but not, you know, I, I can't say it was like a hundred percent safe or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure that there were nights where like we weren't, I mean, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. Sometimes um, it's just dark and, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> you just, yeah, I don't know. Too many drinks and you just don't, you know. <laughs> I know. So, so yeah, I know how it is. Anyways, we got married on a Saturday and for whatever reason, I don't know what possessed me to take a pregnancy test on the Tuesday after we got married and it was positive. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, what, like, how is this positive? I wasn't like feeling differently. I wasn't like spotting, like truthfully, all that I knew was, meh, I know that we had sex kind of when I should have been ovulating. And I honestly don't know if like condoms were used or not. I don't remember. Um, so yeah, let me just like take a test. Cause like I could be pregnant and yeah, yeah it was positive. Um, and, and that was crazy. Or anything? No. Or you were just no. like, Meh, no. I have one. Let me just do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, literally, that's exactly what it was. It's like, oh, I have one. Like I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, we'll just take it. Sure. Um, yeah. I wasn't late or anything. It's so weird. 
Um, so yeah, it was positive. <laughs> and I went downstairs and I showed it to Ben. I'm like, we've been married for three whole days. And <laughs> you can like imagine his face. Yeah. Um, and then and then I told you, actually, yeah. Hazel, you're like the next person that I told. So, um, okay, let's preface this because another another intertwined fact about us is that we used to be neighbors too. So it was like, you just came over, ran over to my house and told me. It's not like, you know, it was a text or even a phone call. It was just like, hey. I was like, I'm going to, I need to stop by and bring you something or something like that. And Yeah. So I just like walked across the street and then I had the pregnancy test with me and I like laid it down and I was like, Oh my God, look at this. And you were like, excuse me, what? (laughs) Yeah. So, so that happened. Um, and like, we were getting ready to go on our honeymoon in a month or so we were going to go to Italy and, you know, it's like these really yeah. conflicting thoughts of like being really, really excited, but then also being like, oh my gosh, like oh crap. this is going to yeah. kind of like ruin our honeymoon and I can't drink like wine and I can't yeah. eat the fancy cheeses and meats over <laughs> in Italy. And this is kind of sad, yeah. um, but also I'm really excited. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that happened. And then actually it was like the next day within a day or two, I started having like Brown discharge, nothing like crazy, but very, very similar to how like leading up to your period is like, you know, your period's coming because you mm-hmm. just start to have this kind of change in discharge. And, you know, I told myself like, okay, like, I don't know, maybe it's like implantation bleeding. I mean, anybody that's gone through something like this knows you, you tell yourself whatever you can to try and make you believe that what, what you'd probably know is happening, isn't happening. Um, but yeah, then like the bleeding just got heavier. And so this, I took the test on Tuesday and by Saturday it was like my period. Um, I took a test that morning and it was still positive. And then we had two birthday parties to go to that day. I like vividly remember this for friends, like who it was their little kids. So that was really, really hard being there. Um, and I'm still like in denial, total denial that it was, you know, that, um, and yeah, that's, it was, it was, so it was what we call a chemical pregnancy essentially, um, you know, with a chemical pregnancy, like the, there's something that happens. A lot of people think that it's probably something genetically, um, going on with the embryo that like fertilization happens, but there's something goes wrong in the implantation time. And like the, the pregnancy essentially just kind of dissolves. Um, so yeah, that's called a chemical pregnancy. And I was devastated, um, for, for something that you don't, that I wasn't expecting or planning for. I can't believe how devastated I was. I spent like all day Sunday in bed, just crying and upset. Ben finally had to come in, like drag me out of bed at four o'clock. I mean, I remember he was like, you have to get out of bed. You can't stay in bed anymore. Um, And I'm glad that he did that, obviously, like looking back. But yeah, I didn't tell a whole lot of people initially. Um, It took me probably like two weeks to tell people. Um, And once I started talking about it, it it was actually really, really therapeutic for me to talk about it. So I still, to this day, um, am really, really candid about that experience because um, it helps me, you know, cope. It helped me at that time to cope with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that happened. And, you know, my OB, who is one of the, our, you know, the OBs that we work with at the hospital, 
she was like super reassuring and, you know, said all the right things and essentially was like, you can keep, you know, start trying essentially now, just treat this as your period and you can start trying again. Mm-hmm. So we did, um, we went to Italy and, uh, had a great time. And like, looking back, I'm really glad that I wasn't pregnant yeah. <laughs> on my honeymoon. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, we tried for probably another four months maybe without any luck. And that was really hard for me too. I was just going to ask that if that was yeah, that very emotional. Exactly the time frame of when you got pregnant with your first one after that. Yeah. So I got pregnant with Wyatt in July. Okay. Um, so it was like three months of trying, three or four months, something like that. Yeah. Not like an insane, an insane amount of time, but enough that... I felt it, you know? Yeah. Um, and when you, yeah. And like when yeah. you've experienced an early miscarriage or any miscarriage or anything, like you start to question, is this ever going to happen? Is there something wrong? Um, why, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. every month that goes on, it was like an emotional roller coaster. You know, you have like the period where you're, you know, okay, I know I'm ovulating. So like, let's have lots of sex. And there was a lot of, um, pressure, I guess on that end. And Ben did not like that pressure. Like, you know, it turned from this, like what's supposed to be an enjoyable thing and kind of relaxed to like really structured and rigid. And, you know, at that point I just like, I wanted it so badly. I had experienced it, what it was like to be pregnant for three or four days and and knew that I wanted that so, so bad. And it made it that much harder. Um, And yeah, it was just like month after month of just like, okay, another one, another one. And like I was saying, this roller coaster, you've got this high when you're, you know, trying, and then you've got this like hopeful period for another week and a half or two weeks until you can take the test. And then you can take the test and you want to take it early, but like, you know, you shouldn't take it early, but I'm going to take it early because I can't Mm -hmm. wait. And then you do, and it's negative and you're like, okay, well, maybe it was too early. Let's try again tomorrow. You know, so you're constantly just giving yourself like kind of false hope, sort of. And it's a mind and then, F-U-C-K. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It really <laughs> is. And like I only experienced that for three or four months. Like I just my heart completely goes out to to parents who deal with long-term fertility issues. I cannot even imagine yeah. how emotional and difficult that must be because three months of it was was just torture and it was torture for my husband. I mean, he's the first one to say that, like he wishes like it didn't happen that way, obviously. Um, and he was like, I can't, like, I, I, like, I literally don't know if I can handle another month of your hormones and like all of this going on because then I would get my period and I would be like depressed for a day or two of just reeling back. And then it's and then you have to wait another, you know, 14 yeah. days to take it, you know, to try again. So it's just, yeah. Hard. And then it's like, do I even, and you, and I, I mean, I guess this is m- maybe a personal question, but like, were you to the point, cause I could see myself not even wanting to have sex unless it was like intentional. Like, did yeah. you get to that point where it's like, okay, I would get my period and then I would start and I would know that like, okay, yeah, I guess we can have sex, but like, it doesn't really mean anything and blah, blah. Like that just, uh, yeah. again, again, I feel for anybody going through that cycle of, you know, trying to conceive fertility issues. It's just, yeah, it's really hard. I don't like, I don't particularly remember feeling that way. Yeah. Um, 
but I do. Yeah. Like I said, I vividly remember the pressure of that time and like, yeah. oh my God, we have to have sex like right this instant. And if we don't, then like, then you can miss it. Yeah. yeah. And like, I would cry if like Ben didn't want to, or if like we weren't able to, for whatever reason, I didn't want to like go do anything that night or be anywhere that like would disrupt it. I mean, yeah. it was just, it became this really, really rigid thing. And I know. And it's then like, like not people fun. say, just relax. Like it will happen if you just relax and you don't care about it. And like, that is bull crap, you know, <laughs> yeah. like when you want something that badly, you can't relax over it. I'm way too in tune with my body to know, like when I'm ovulating, you know, yeah. so I can't just be like, oh, let me just forget about it, you know? So, yeah. so yeah, I, I essentially like dove all in. I was like, you know what? We want this to happen. I'm going to go all in. I started tracking ovulation um, with strips mm-hmm. for a month or two. And then I actually started tracking my basal body temperature, mm-hmm. um, which is what clued me in that I was pregnant with mm-hmm. my oldest son. Um, so yeah, I just kind of like dove all in and looking back, obviously I can recognize three or four months isn't that long in the grand scheme of things, but in the, in the moment it felt like a really, really long time. Um, so yeah, I was tracking my basal body temperature and, and essentially like when you ovulate with your basal body temperature, your, um, temperature will go up. And like, there's all these rules surrounding it and you have to take it first thing in the morning before you get out of bed. And it's to like the hundredth of a degree and, you know, or 10th mm-hmm. of a degree, something like that. Um, you have to get a special. Yeah. There's like a special too, thermometer right? for yeah. it. And, and essentially if you conceived, then your temperature remains high. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't conceive, then your temperature drops back down. Um, so the first month I was tracking it, I saw the spike after I ovulated and then I saw it dip and decrease. And then I got my period. Um, but then the second time around it didn't dip and I wasn't feeling anything. I felt totally fine, but I was checking it every morning and the graph looked drastically different the second time around, um, than the first time. So Mm -hmm. I kind of had this like feeling like, huh, this is what it's saying it's supposed to do. I think I might be, but it's still too early. Um, I had made an agreement with Ben that I would not test early because I had been very bad about testing early in the prior months. So um, my LMP, I think, put me at a point that like I could take a test on Monday maybe Mm -hmm. um, or Sunday morning or something. So he was like, let's just go and enjoy our weekend. And we did. Like we went out. We saw friends. I had some drinks. Like we just went about our weekend like normal. And then I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a Sunday morning. Cause I had said, okay, we can take the test on Sunday morning. And of course, like, what did I do? I got up at like three in the morning and took a <laughs> test. Um, <laughs> and it was positive. <laughs> of course. I had to like go back to bed because I didn't <laughs> want to wake up in the middle of the night. <laughs> so, so yeah, I like just went back to bed. And then when he woke up in the morning, I was like, oh my gosh, guess what? And I told him and he's like, how do you know this already? Like you just woke up. And I was like, no, 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 no. I woke up like five hours ago and I already took a test. You told me that I had to wait till Sunday. So I did, I did listen. Um, so yeah, it was positive. And, you know, honestly, the next nine months of my story is really boring. Like I had a very, very low risk on complicated pregnancy. Um, I had no issues at all, like literally none. 
um, we decided to not find out the gender. Yeah. Um, so that was super exciting. And, and yeah, I mean, the next part, like truthfully, like picks up, I don't know, a week or two before I had him. Yeah. Let's get into um, that. So let's go. Yeah. So I guess I'm trying to think if I have any questions for you. I pretty much know everything there is to know about you. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was trying to think there really wasn't anything that went on during Wyatt's pregnancy that is super pertinent or super like, I mean, you, you know, you didn't have like crazy, crazy. You were, you were sicker with Wyatt than you were with Callan. Yeah. Like um, first sem- trimesters sucked um yeah Yeah. that wasn't fun but like you know I maybe threw up like two or three times I mean it wasn't anything crazy I gained a decent amount of weight which I attribute to being a pig the whole pregnancy and like not taking care of myself I just used my pregnancy as an excuse to eat whatever I wanted to um and I also got really swollen so that's something I experienced with both of my pregnancies a lot a lot of swelling towards the end um really like once normal swelling like would it swell and then go away at the end no so yeah towards the end no um so I you know my labor and delivery brain was like oh my gosh I'm gonna get gestational hyper tension. I'm going to get preeclampsia. Like this swelling is not going away at nighttime. Even like compression socks wouldn't help. Like nothing, nothing was helping. And it got that way early. I mean, like mid 20 week ish, you know, getting into the third trimester is when the the swelling started and then it just like ramped up. So I probably gained like 40 to 45 pounds with his pregnancy. Um, And I do think a lot of that was swelling. I mean, obviously some of it was also like all the brownies and cookies I ate, but a lot of it was the (laughs) swelling. Um, So yeah, like I was due on April 21st, which was Easter of 2018. Mm -hmm. And I was very fixated on how delivery was going to happen. I can recognize this now as like, this was just my anxiety, like, Mm -hmm going crazy. But at the moment, I didn't think that I was crazy. I didn't think I had anxiety or anything like that about it. never do. No, I I didn't think that was the case at all. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I became very fixated on how delivery was going to happen. I wanted it to be a certain way. So also to say I'm very type A, like very um, particular about things. So no surprise that I was very particular about how my birth was going to be. Mm-hmm. I went into it with a pretty open mind, like thought that there was a good chance I would get an epidural, but was open to, you know, an, a natural delivery if that happened. Um, I went through your course. Uh, you had actually just released it a couple months prior, and I went to it before it was released and reviewed everything kind of as a favor to you, but also like as a favor to me because I was getting ready to have a baby. Yeah. So I went through that. So I felt like pretty prepared, um, especially just seeing the women that I take care of every single day. And, and I felt prepared for either way, for whichever way that it went. Um, and the biggest thing that I wanted to 
avoid was like a 41 week post-dates induction. That was just like, not what I wanted. Um, my mom's history is, wasn't favorable for that. She had vaginal deliveries for, with all of her three kids, but she went super, super late. I mean, she had her kids in the eighties and like, they're letting you go to like 42, 43 weeks before they're doing anything. So literally all of us were like two or three weeks late. Mm -hmm. Um, and she had relatively big babies too. So I just was like terrified of, oh my gosh, I'm going to have this giant baby at 41 weeks and need an induction. And like, that sounds miserable. Um, so I had made the decision that I was going to get electively induced if, uh, he hadn't come like kind of by my due date. Um, I don't think I made the induction for my due date. I think I did it for like 40 and two, 40 and one or 40 and two. Yeah. That happened to line up with like the nurses that I good wanted doctor, to be there good and good nurse. doctor. Yeah. yeah. Like all those <laughs> things that like nobody gets to choose, but like if you're yeah. a labor and delivery nurse, you get to choose these things. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a Wednesday leading up to uh, my due date. So I was 39 and three, I think, um, or 39 and two. And I had seen my OB the day before and she stripped my membranes. It was probably like the the 20th time I had had my membranes stripped. (laughs) Once again, like you're a labor and delivery nurse and I'm ready for my baby to come. So like I would be at work and just be like, hey, um, Jennifer, can you come over here and strip my membranes, please? Like, let's go into this room right here. Um, (laughs) Yeah, this is like what we do. So Anyways, I had her, I had my provider the day before strip my membranes um, and it, it didn't work. Like nothing happened. I felt like a little crampy afterwards, but essentially nothing happened. Um, and then the next day I was at work. Wait, go back. What'd you do the night before with me? Cause we went somewhere the night before, right? Oh yeah. Before? yeah. 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 <laughs> We went to Woody's, which is like (laughs) this kind of grungy bar in downtown Raleigh. But they have the spiciest jalapeno peppers in the whole wide world. (laughs) And you did this with Walter before you had Walter. I did it with Rylan too, but I didn't, I mean, it didn't, I did it a few days before he was born. I don't correlate it, but yeah, I did it with Walter. So I was like, didn't you got to go eat some of those dang jalapeno peppers? Come on, let's go. (laughs) Brian, Lisa, Walter, and I went with. Ben and me, and we went to Woody's, and I had jalapeno pepper poppers, and then I got like their hottest wings, which I like love, love, love wings. So I got the hottest ones I could. So yeah, that's I did that that day, and then oh, actually that day I did um, the reflexology. Reflexology. Yeah, Yeah. so that was another thing that I did that day, um, which was kind of cool. Like I totally recommend that to people, even if you're not trying to get yourself into labor. It's just kind of like a fun, relaxing thing to do. Um, But yeah, I did those two things that day, and that was kind of it. I mean, we like probably had sex at some point in the 24 hours prior, but like that that was really it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I went to work. It was a Wednesday. I was in our antepartum unit that day um, and had like two or three patients and, you know, just kind of joking like, oh, well, if I just like disappear, it could be because like my water broke and I had, you know, I'm having <laughs> my baby sort of thing. Um, but really like nothing was happening to make me think that what was about to happen was about to happen. So go down. Yeah, the doctor that I saw on Tuesday at my appointment, she was actually at the hospital on Wednesday and I called her up and was like trying to figure out an induction date and when it made sense. 
at this point I was about two centimeters dilated, but still kind of thick. And the head was still a little high. Um, and she was like, well, how about I just come back over and like, we'll strip your membranes again. And I was like, okay. Get up in there again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we went into one of the rooms and, um, she's like doing it. It's just the two of us in there. She's doing the stripping, which doesn't feel great. Let's be clear. But I was like, dude, I, you can do it for like five minutes if you want to. I don't <laughs> even care because I just want this baby to come out. Yeah. And she says to me, you know what, Tiffany, I'm going to go a little bit deeper because you have a pretty high pain tolerance. And she does. <laughs> and then my water breaks. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) That's one of the risks of stripping your membranes that your water can break. Um, And I knew that going into it, you know, I knew that that was a chance, but I knew that that was going to be completely okay with me if that happened. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that happened. And she, the first thing she said to me was, oh my God, I did not mean to do that. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I didn't think you did, but I could see why she said that to me because like, I think she could sense my anxiety and how I was just kind of ready for it to happen. And I could see how like, she could have just been like, I'm just going to like try and break her water. And then like all of this will just poof, you know, we'll just have a baby. Um, But I really don't think she did. So yeah, that happened. And it was like a ton of fluid. It was like going everywhere. And in our antepartum rooms, at the hospital, we don't have just like supplies in there. So there was nothing in there. I mean, I was in the bed, we had put like one little chucks underneath me, but there was so much fluid and she was like frazzled. She was like, what, what should I do? And I was like, um, (laughs) can you please peek your head out the door and ask for the nurse that's sitting out at the desk to come in here, please? So she did that. And the nurse that came in, LaShanta, she is so funny. She had, yeah, hey, LaShanta. She had maybe (laughs) been working in L&D for like, I don't know, a year or two. Um, Did her eyes just go, (laughs) yeah, she freaked out. She's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what am I supposed to do? And I was like, listen, calm down. It's okay. Like here, my water just broke and I'm the one that's like trying to calm down everyone else. (laughs) So I told her to call Jennifer, uh-huh. who is um, one of my good friends that works up there. I had just seen her like five minutes prior. She knew that my doctor was going to come over and strip my membranes again. I said, call Jen and just tell her that she needs to come over here. So she did. Jen Myers? Um, yes. Yeah. She called Jen okay. Myers and she said, Jen, I need you to come to antepartum room three stat. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, why did you say stat? Like you make it sound like this emergency. This is not an emergency. So yeah, Jen came over and she was like, I knew it. As soon as LaShanta called me, she, I knew that it was your water. Yeah. So anywho, she came over, she ended up taking me on as a patient. I, um, like it was super convenient actually. I just like got all my stuff and like got into a gown and moved over to the labor side of things. I called Ben who was out hitting golf balls and I was, was like, ask you, like, did you didn't go home, right? No. You just stayed there. And okay. We had kind of talked about me going home. Yeah. Um, I was like, Oh, if my water breaks at, at work, will I come home? And like, I just, I was like, nah, yeah. no, it's fine. Like, I'm just going to stay here, here and like have like, a baby. Might as well. Yeah. My water broke. Like, I want you to augment me. I'm not really having contractions. Like, I'm not going to go home and just wait around for 12 hours and see if it kicks in. Um, And I did start having some tiny little contractions after that happened, but like nothing crazy. So I knew I was still two centimeters at that point. I was like, I I knew that I was going to need something. Something. Yeah. 
So yeah, I called Ben. He got up to the hospital. Um, the water breaking happened around 2.15 at 4-ish. Um, my doctor came back around and checked me. Like I said, I was still two centimeters. So she put in a Foley balloon. And then they started Pitocin right away too. Um, and I was totally fine with that. Like at that point, I was like, my water is broke. I'm ready to have my baby. I didn't know if it was a boy or girl. I was so ready to find out if it was a boy yeah. or girl. Um, I was like, throw everything at me. Um, so the balloon went in. It wasn't comfortable. It sucked. Um, thankfully, I was two centimeters when it got put in. It's like really even worse for women when it's when they're like zero centimeters. Yeah. Um, but things picked up quickly, like very quickly. Um, by six, so all that happened at four. By six p.m., I was like, "Oh my gosh, this sucks. I want an epidural." But the balloon was still in, and that's like one of my rules for my patients as much as yeah. possible. Like at least wait till your fully balloon comes out. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh my gosh, please let this thing come out. Like, what is going on? This is really horrible." And lots of back pain. Like I, mm-hmm. I still to this day don't know what it feels like to have a contraction in my lower belly because both of my boys, yeah, <laughs> I know you don't. Both of my boys too were back pain yeah. labors. Like, yeah. oof, woof. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, around six thirty, the balloon came out. I was five centimeters thinned out quite a bit. The head was down, like super good check. And I was like, sign me up for the epidural. I don't want to do this much longer. Like this. Mm-hmm. Um, shift change happened. So Jen left and then Jill, um, was the night shift nurse that came on and it was great. Cause I got to pick her too. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I got my epidural and was super glad that I got it. Like no, no like hesitancy or anything. I don't regret it at all. So glad I got it. Um, and yeah, they just kept ramping up the Pitocin. My baby looked great on the monitor the whole time. Um, I can't remember all like the time periods of, of it, but like essentially I was around five to six centimeters around 7 PM. And by midnight I was 10 centimeters. That's fast. Yeah. Like pretty fast. I mean, I would, I was pretty thrilled actually with the progress. The epidural was a little one-sided. It totally worked on my right side. The the left side didn't work super, super well. Um, Mm -hmm. so that was like something we dealt with, but it was okay. So yeah, 12 o'clock, I was 10 centimeters. My mom stopped in real quick and said, hey, Liesl, I think you got to the hospital somewhere kind of around this time. I had, Liesl and I had already planned that she was going to take birth pictures for me. Yeah, um, so she got there. knew what was going on. Yeah. And, like you were there, there at like somewhere. 11 or something. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were there, you took some pictures for us. And yeah, it was just like kind of this chill moment. Like, I don't know. It was just like really, really peaceful. Um, and then I started pushing around one, uh, or so 1245 or one in the morning. At this point, I like had been up since five the day before, cause I worked in eight sure. hour shift. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, my adrenaline was running, so I wasn't really able to sleep with the epidural. I was kind of able to rest, but like I couldn't sleep. I was just way too excited. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I ended up pushing for like two and a half hours. He was OT. Um, so so not quite as bad as OP, like both the Liesl's yeah. babies were, but OT and he didn't really flip until the last 30 minutes of pushing. Um, so I pushed for a little oh, while. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that wasn't the <laughs> most fun thing. And yeah, my epidural stopped working during this time. Like the left side wasn't working at all. So I felt a good bit of it. 
Um, and yeah, he came out and he was a boy and we had a pretty good feeling that he was a boy. So it wasn't like overly like surprised. A super surprise. Yeah. I mean, at that yeah. point I didn't even care what came out of me. Um, yeah. I just like wanted this thing to get out of me. His head also crowned for like a really, really, really long time. Um, so I was just like, so over it. Um, but yeah, he came out. I didn't tear at all. I had two little labial tears, but no perineal tear. And I was like, super, super pumped about that. Yeah. That's something that like you, like, I know you care you about if you about don't, it, but you don't, but yeah, as a labor and delivery nurse, I was like, Oh my God, I can brag about the fact that I did not have a perineal tear. Yeah. Um, and he was a big boy. I mean, he was eight pounds, two ounces. Yeah. So yeah, it was great. Um, and yeah, like I went to postpartum, those couple days were like totally fine. Um, and then we went home and yeah, now I guess we can start yeah. talking about the kind of the aftermath. Cause I do want to get into your, the aftermath of everything too. Cause I think it, it, we were talking before this episode, it really pertains to your second birth. So, so yeah, so you just had Wyatt, you're getting home. Um, and yep. then tell me, I guess. walk me through those first few days and then those first few weeks and when you started to feel changes happen. Yeah. So, um, I plan to exclusively breastfeed. That was something that I really, really, really wanted to do. I had envisioned this perfect journey, breastfeeding journey in my head and had very, very, very high expectations for myself. Uh, I wanted to do it for a year as we go, went, already talked about, I'm type A personality. I set high expectations for myself. You well, know, you, you talked see, about it for yeah. like your birth. You had yeah. the same mindset almost. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So that led me up to like that type of personality completely led me to what happened uh, two months after he was born. So yeah. we were breastfeeding. It wasn't going well. Um, I don't have very good anatomy for breastfeeding. I didn't realize that that like how important that was, but I don't have inverted nipples and I don't really have like truly flat nipples, but I have very short nipples um, and they're not elastic at all. So like when he would latch on, like there was nothing that was like hitting the high palate in his mouth or anything like it it was just hard. It was hard for him. He had a tongue tie too, that we had to get lasered. Um, But we didn't do that until he was like five or six weeks old. And breastfeeding was just really, really, really hard and insanely painful. Like Mm -hmm. every time he latched on toe curling, I would cry. He wasn't leaving like blisters or or, you know, cracks in my nipples. It wasn't like that. It felt like sandpaper on my boob, like on my nipple every single time he latched. It was just the most horrific pain that I had ever experienced. Like worse than labor. I mean, I know that's crazy, but like, I mean, it's not crazy, but it's, I mean, that like I would happily go through labor. Yeah. I would go through labor again, instead of having to go through the eight weeks that I went through of trying to nurse him. So yeah, we got his tongue tie done and like, I thought that maybe that would help. Um, and like, it kind of did mm-hmm. the pain wasn't as bad. There was still pain, but it wasn't as bad. Um, but then he wasn't transferring milk well, mm-hmm. which is relatively common for boys, especially, um, yeah. they just don't, you know, they're lazy, like yeah. they're just lazy yeah. and our friend Sandy, who's been on the um, your podcasts before, she yeah. was kind of with me along the way, and she was telling me all of these things and like just stick with it and like 
you know, don't quit on a hard day. And, you know, all these like mantras yeah. that she tells all of her mamas, which was, was great. Just texting her tonight. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's so great. great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it just, yeah, I, I went, so it was like a Monday and I went to her support group and we did a weighted feed there and he transferred like two ounces of milk, yeah. which he was, and he was six how or seven weeks. I was yeah. Say, like six okay. or seven weeks. Yeah. And he, and I knew, cause at this point we were kind of doing like 50, 50 nursing and me pumping and just bottle feeding and yeah. why it's a pig. Like he still yeah. is to this day. He's a gigantic pig. Two yeah. ounces is not enough for him. Like he was like a six ouncer to eight yeah. ouncer at, at six weeks old. Even with breast milk, like he would, he yes, would he was a pig. Milking. Yeah. He yeah. was. Yeah. So <laughs> I knew like two ounces wasn't good. And that was like a 30 minute feeding session. And I was like, this is just not working. Yeah. I can't like triple feed. I can't nurse him and then pump and then give him a bottle afterwards. It's just too much. Um, right. So right. I made the difficult decision to stop breastfeeding him. And he was like seven weeks old. And, and right around this time, so I started pumping and around this time we started to supplement with formula too, because like I said, he was a pig and I didn't have a bad supply, but it wasn't enough for him. I mean, he would take 34 to 36 ounces of breast milk a day. And I was like a 30 ouncer a day. So there Which was just is like a very normal, normal, supply. right? <laughs> yeah. Totally yeah. normal. Yeah. Not for him. Um, yeah. he wanted more. He always wanted more. And I found myself rationing my milk, uh, yeah. And it just wasn't, it wasn't healthy. It wasn't good. I was so focused on me and what I wanted yeah. and was not paying attention to like him. And it's weird because like I was paying attention to him because I was saying all of these things, like we need to exclusively breastfeed and only breast milk and like all these things for him, for him. But yet at the end of the day, like it really wasn't for him. It was for myself that I wanted to do those things. Um, because when you start to ration your baby's milk, like yeah. that's no longer, you're not doing what's best for your baby. No way. So, so yeah, we decided to, to introduce some formula and that was not an easy point for me. Um, I don't even know if I'm the one that did it. I think it might've been Ben that, that gave him that bottle. It was hard. Um, but truly like doing it the first time was helpful. Like once I did it once, it got easier and easier with every feed that I did it after that. Yeah. And then, yeah, I decided that I was going to exclusively pump and I did that for like two days and it was like this, yeah, it was like a Monday that I decided to stop breastfeeding him. And then it was like a Thursday, I think when, when my life exploded. Um, so I was exclusively pump pumping in that I did not enjoy. I already dreaded the pump. I didn't like it. It hurt too. Like, you know, it wasn't like a great experience for me. And Wyatt also wasn't a good sleeper. He he slept great at night, but he wasn't a good napper, which is very, very, very common. Um, yeah. But like as a first time mom, I was just exhausted and tired and I was angry at him for like hurting me for eight weeks. Every time that he nursed, I know that I was like a little resentful of him and then he yeah. wouldn't sleep on top of it all. So I had just put him down for a nap. It was like, I don't know, 12 or one in the afternoon. I put him down for a nap and I was like, okay, I'm going to go pump now. I was on this like rigid pumping schedule, which I shouldn't have been. It's like, okay, I'm going to go pump. And I started to pump. And like, of course what happened five minutes later, he wakes up crying mm -hmm. 
So I'm like, oh, but I need to pump. Okay. So I like take the pump upstairs and I'm trying to still pump and hold him and comfort him. And it was just, it was just too much. Like the pump was in my way. I couldn't even feel like I could like hold him and comfort him in the way that I needed to because of I this don't know dumb. How to to that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Siri. <laughs> That was like perfect timing too. We should leave that in. It's like, okay, thanks, Siri. Thanks, Siri. I wonder how long it was getting my audio for. So stupid. Okay, anyways, this anyways. is like the pinnacle of your story. You're at this I know, moment at right? the crib and you're like comforting him. Thanks, Siri. Okay. Thanks, Siri. And we will get right back into today's episode after a quick break from this week's sponsor. This episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast was sponsored by Kindred Bravely. Kindred Bravely is a company built on love, a love that is poured into every piece of clothing that they bring to life. Their clothes are meticulously designed to make your motherhood journey easier from the bump to the breast and beyond. They have two goals, creating maternity and nursing clothes that are beautiful, useful, and comfortable, and building a community of moms who support and encourage each other on their motherhood journey. I have a few of their bras personally, and I'm obsessed with them. (laughs) I think we all realize, especially as we get older, the importance of a really, really good bra, no matter how big or small your boobs are. And we all have those certain bras or pieces of clothing in general, in our closets that are our favorites and that we always go to. And i that's definitely how I feel about my Cringer Bravely bras. I'm all about comfort um, and support, but more about comfort. And I just think Cringer Bravely just does such a good job with the comfortableness of their clothes. If you're interested in anything Kindred Bravely, they did give me a code for you guys for 20% off anything on their site, excluding bundles and gift cards. The code is MLN20, and you can just go to kindredbravely.com. And now let's get back to today's episode. Okay, so I'm pumping, and he starts crying, and I go upstairs, and I'm trying to comfort him, and the pump is in the way, and it's just it was just too much. And... I just felt trapped. Like I was so unhappy. I pulled the pump off of me and just grabbed my baby and held him. And I went downstairs and just started bawling. Um, Ben works from home. So he was home and he was like, what is wrong? And I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to ever have a pump on me ever again. I, I am not happy. Like I'm not okay. And we kind of sat there talking about it for a little bit. And, and I just, yeah, I like exploded. Um, I've never felt that way ever, ever before. I knew at that moment that something was very wrong. Um, I was, I can't say I was in denial about it in the eight weeks prior to this, but, but I was in denial. Like, looking back now, I can see a lot of the signs, but like, even you, Liesl, you said something to me, I was probably like four or five weeks postpartum. And I, I said to you, sometimes I just want him to go back inside of me. Um, I didn't say that I don't like want him to not exist. I just said, sometimes I want him to go back inside of me and not be here anymore. And you said to me, you know, it, like this might be postpartum depression. Like that might be what is going on. And I was like, nah, Well, yeah, because I remember it was Mm -hmm. it was a few weeks. I mean, that's an odd thing to say at 
any point, but I would more normalize it a few days or a week, you know, when you're still in the very beginning of it. But like, yeah, I think you were three or four weeks out and you said something like that. I think you said, I want him to go back inside. Or I think you said, like, I want to run away. Like, I want to leave him and Ben, like, I want to run away or something. It was something about running away too. Yeah. And like, I can, I could recognize that like, I couldn't do those things. And yeah, you know, I felt that way. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It was just, I just wasn't happy. I wasn't as happy as I thought that I was going to be. And yeah, when you said that to me, like, I don't know, maybe this is kind of getting into like some PPD. I was just, I don't think I said it to you, but I, in my head, I was like, absolutely not. I don't get PPD. Yeah. Right. Like I'm not going to get postpartum depression, like crazy looking at back on it now because you cannot help it. Like, let's be clear. You can't help if you get postpartum depression. And you almost have none of the risk factors really. I don't. The only risk risk factor I have is like being a type A personality and being a bit controlling with my life. Um, That's pretty much it. I don't have any history of like mental disease or disorder. Um, so, so yeah, it was eight weeks. Um, I fully think that my giving up breastfeeding was the trigger to this happening, but yeah, it was a Thursday afternoon. I knew that something was not okay and that I needed help. Um, thank goodness I was able to recognize this thing. Um, I immediately called my mom. She came over and hung out with Wyatt for the rest of the day. I called Claire, who is one of our coworkers, but a very, very good friend of mine, um, who had shared with me her own journeys after she became a mom. I asked her for her therapist's name, which she gave to me. And then I think I talked to you that day, Liesl. Um, and you, you know, reassured me that I was taking the right moves, making the right steps. I called my provider, um, who like, fortunately, because of our job, like I have her phone number and her cell phone number and was able to call her. Yeah. Um, and then like all of those things couldn't happen right away though. Like I talked to my provider and she was like, I'm going to put in an order for Zoloft for you. If you feel like you need it. Um, I called the therapist and she talked to me on the phone for about an hour, but was like, I can't see you until next week. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I kind of felt a little trapped. Um, you know, I talked to Ben about it and he, he wanted to find like more of an immediate solution, like not a fix, but like something immediate that I could do that would make me feel better. So I went up and exercised. We have a Peloton at the house. I went and rode the Peloton. Um, he, he felt fairly confident that that would help. And it did. Um, it was an energy release for sure. Um, and I, you know, I still at this point was like, I knew something was wrong, but I thought that it would be like, if I get a good night's sleep, then like, I'll feel better. Um, so that night I went to sleep and, like I got up to pump, but Ben essentially took Wyatt that night. Like he got up with him. He gave him his bottle. I got up and pumped, but like, I essentially didn't have anything to do with Wyatt that night. Like maybe one time I got up with him, um, which was fine. But then the next day I didn't get out of bed till like 11. Um, 
I didn't good. No. Oh my gosh. It was even worse. Like the next day was even worse. I thought that if I was going to get a lot of sleep and like, I could just, I I thought I like literally thought I could just like sleep it off kind of. Yeah. And, and yeah, I slept till like 11. Ben finally came up into the room with Wyatt. He had him in the Solly wrap and like, I couldn't even look at him. I couldn't look at my baby. I didn't want to look at Wyatt's face. I didn't want to touch him or hold him. I wanted nothing to do with him. And that's then really when I knew something was wrong. Um, That was terrifying. And so, yeah, I left the house. Um, Ben's mom came over because it was a Friday and Ben had to work. So his mom came over and I left. I went and had lunch with my dad. Um, and then I went over to my brother and sister-in-law's house who had just had a baby um, within a couple of weeks before. And I was totally fine being around my nephew, mm-hmm. like no issues or hard feelings or anything like that. It wasn't a baby thing. It was a my baby thing. It was a Wyatt thing. Like I didn't yeah. want to be around him. So I spent the afternoon over at their house and um, just like talk to them about what was going on and was very open and candid and transparent. And, you know, my brother is a great guy and like put a lot of things into perspective and tried to just kind of make me see, like, I had these really big, big expectations for myself. And like, how could I possibly have known before I even had a baby that I was going to like breastfeed for a year and that yeah. I wasn't going to like put my baby in daycare. And, yeah. you know, I had like made all these decisions and like, I didn't even have a kid. Like how the heck was I supposed to know that I wasn't going to want some of these things? Because yeah, at this point I was like, I was planning on going back to work part-time and I was going to keep Wyatt with me during the week. And my mom was going to watch him one day during the week, but I was like, no, he's not going to daycare. He's not going to anywhere else. Like I decided all of these things before he was even here. And then here all this happened. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I, I can't spend five days a week with him. Like I can't watch him and be his sole provider. I don't want to do that. So that was really hard um, to deal with too. So, so yeah, all this happened on a Friday. I finally got back home at like six and felt better. Um, I was able to like hold Wyatt and I felt okay about that, but I was terrified still. I didn't want to be alone with him. I wasn't having like thoughts of hurting him or harming him or harming myself, but I felt like I was completely inadequate to take care of him. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I didn't think that I was doing a good job. I felt like a terrible mother, mm-hmm. like a horrible mother. Um, and I didn't want to be left alone with him. And thankfully it was a Friday that this happened because Ben was off of work for the weekend and I didn't have to be alone with him. So he stayed with me. He was home all weekend. Um, And then I planned to go see this therapist on Monday. And she kind of was just like, just get through the weekend. Like I am here. You can call me if you need to, but just like get through the weekend, rally up as much support as you can this weekend, but call me if you need something or if you're like really not okay. And um, so yeah, we got through and I went and saw her on that Monday and just met with her for an hour. And like the first meeting of therapy is more like history gathering and stuff. So I didn't feel like it was like super, super helpful because we didn't really even get to like dive into like the actual problems. A lot of it was just her 
asking about my family history and then my pregnancy and trying to just like get some information um, for her just kind of basis to move forward. Which is important, but also Super important. Yeah. I mean, it, that, that you got to get to know your yeah. patient, but yeah, yeah it would have been like, I, yeah, it's like you wish that I, I could have been that, all. Yeah. It could have been all. Yeah. I was going to say that before when you first started talking, and because I remember when you talked to me, uh, whatever the day that was, the Thursday that you came over, and you're you were so like fixated on that it's like I can't do this anymore, and it's like I know what's going on, and I want it to go away right now. Yes, like, and and that's very. Um, if this is something that you're listening to right now and you're struggling with, like there is. Yes, there are definitely concrete things that you can do, but it's like, yeah, it might be three days before you can go see a therapist and then it might just be an intake the first session and then you have another session a few days later. So it's, it's like you, that is a truth to it. But yeah, I, I very vividly remember you saying that, that you were like, it was like you, you felt completely hopeless that there was no I have to, you know, this is not, yeah. I, I, need, I need to fix this I want right to fix now. It now. Yeah. Like I'm a control freak. This needs yeah. to get fixed now. I yeah. recognize there's a problem. I'm admitting that I have a problem and now yeah. it's time for me to get a fix to it. And yeah, yeah, I felt like I was upset, but I didn't get to just go see a therapist immediately. Um, I didn't want to spend the weekend continuing to feel this way. And I, I really truly thought that I was going to feel that like, how I felt for the rest of my life. The rest, I know. I remember yeah, you saying ever. That. Yeah. I was terrified. I've never yeah. been so scared in my whole entire life. Um, yeah. And and like looking back, I didn't even deal with it for an extended amount of time. Once again, like I can't imagine women out there who deal with this for a, like a very, very long time. Year. Yeah. I know. I've talked to women who have postpartum depression for a year, if not longer than that. I mean, mm-hmm. It's, it's scary. I can't imagine. Um, and I'm grateful that I'm in a position where I knew what the symptoms were and like what to recognize. And I was able to get help so fast because I think that's what so many women just think that some of these things are like normal. It's like just being a mom. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not about being a mom. Like this is not normal. No. Um, so yeah, I mean, I went to that first therapy meeting and yeah, we talked about it for like 10 minutes. So I can't say that I felt better when I walked away from that meeting. And every day, truly, I did feel like better and better and better. I still was terrified to be like alone with him. Um, And I'm grateful that I have a husband that works from home and was pretty much around 24 seven if I needed him. Um, But yeah, it was really hard. I hadn't gone back to work at this point. That was another thing that compounded this. I was really bored. Like I'm a very independent person. Um, like my work, I love my work. I feel very fulfilled being at work and I missed being there. I actually Mm -hmm. contemplated at this time going back to work early, which I know is crazy. And like, (laughs) I'm sure women out there are like, (laughs) Oh my God, you wanted to go back to work. Yeah, I did. I didn't want to go back to work like three days a week, but I kind of just thought like, maybe I just go back one day a week because I needed an outlet. Like I needed to feel like myself again. Yeah. This whole time, these first two months, I didn't feel like myself at all. I felt like, yeah, like, oh my God, I just had this baby and like, he 
tortured me for the first seven weeks, breastfeeding every time. And I missed my life. I missed my old life. I missed sleeping. I just, I just, ugh. And yeah. I thought maybe work is like something that I can do that gets me back to kind of feeling like my old self. That, that um, makes a lot of sense actually when you put it like that. Yeah. And so I didn't go back to work. Um, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, a week later I was feeling a lot better and I was like, you know what? I talked to a lot of people. I talked to a lot of friends and, um, made the decision. Okay. Don't go back to work. It's going to be okay. And I, so I continued to see the therapist for, uh, every week for like two months, probably. Um, and I will say that these feelings overall resolved relatively fast for me. That's not the case with a lot, a lot of women. So I don't, if you're listening, I don't want you to think that this is normal, but for me, they resolved really fast. I think a lot of that had to do with how early I recognized that there was something wrong and I got help immediately. Um, but yeah, after a couple of weeks of seeing her, I was already feeling better. Like I could be alone with him. I didn't really like want to be alone with him. Um, but I could be alone with him. I still wanted my husband to be around like as much as possible, but it wasn't this like fear that I couldn't take care of him. Um, and she helped me recognize a lot of things just like, I mean, probably one of the biggest ones was that, um, you know, we talked about that the ending of breastfeeding was a trigger. Mm -hmm. She kind of helped me reframe that, that like I was grieving over the loss of breastfeeding. I set this really high expectation of what our breastfeeding journey was going to be. And then when it didn't meet up, I grieved over the fact that it didn't meet up to my expectation. And I was really sad about that. So I think that's kind of spiraled it a little bit. Um, She helped me realize that you know, I, I mentioned before, I felt like a really terrible mom and incapable of taking care of him. And I was so sure that like somebody else could take care of him better. And like what she made me realize was like the fact that I was so concerned about him eating and like his food and wanting to breastfeed and like all these things. She was like, this is like the exact opposite of a mom that doesn't care. Like, yeah, you're right. I know. You're a <laughs> like, mom that a cares so much. A bad mom so would be much. like, hey, I'm going out. I don't Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Like, here's a formula and like, yeah. ooh, which is yeah. fine. Like, which just because fine. you yeah. give your baby formula doesn't mean you don't care. But like, she, yeah. what she was helping me realize was like, yeah, the fact that I cared so much about him to like get his tongue tie clipped and try yeah. and continue yes. breastfeeding. And then let's exclusively pump. Like the fact that I cared so much about these things was like the very opposite of being a bad mom, you know? So that was important for me to hear. I also had a lot of issues with like, I, I knew how well I had it. Like I knew how good I had it. It's like, I had a good pregnancy, a good delivery. I had a really healthy baby. I have a husband who works from home who is insanely supportive. My family is in town. I have so many friends around. I have it so good. And why do I still feel this way? You know, I don't understand. Um, and she helped me recognize that, that like, I can't compare, you can't compare like, oh, somebody else has it like less than you. Therefore they're like, you should be grateful that you have a good, like, it doesn't work like that. They're not congruent. Like those things don't align. (laughs) Um, so that was similar things with my therapist. Yeah. Like I know that road. (laughs) Yeah. And I had never seen a therapist before. So like, this was all really new stuff to me. Um, I had been warned by you. And then I think also my mom, because my mom had seen a therapist that like, it might get worse before it gets better. Um, it can be really hard to like delve into like super deep issues like this. So, 
Yeah. You know, everyone was like, it might get worse before it gets better. Just recognize that. Um, and And did you ever go on medication? No, no, I didn't. So that was something that my husband and I talked about. Um, like I said, my provider wrote me a prescription for Zoloft. Mm -hmm. Um, and my husband had actually been on it previously, like in his young, you know, younger years, like early twenties, he took Zoloft and he didn't love the way that it reacted with him personally. Um, and he kind of shared with me some of the feelings and like some of the things that he felt when he was on it and how Mm -hmm. hard it was for him to come off of it actually. Mm -hmm. He just had asked me, can we try and get through this with therapy? Like, let's try therapy first and see how that goes. But yeah, if you don't feel like therapy is helping, then by all means, like, let's start some medication. And looking back, I'm really, really glad that he suggested that, especially because, um, you know, a lot of medications like Zoloft, they don't work right away. It's not just an immediate fix. It can take several weeks to like several months, really, for those medications to become therapeutic and like actually helpful. Yeah. So I knew that it wasn't a quick fix, but it also made me nervous not starting it because I was like, oh my gosh, like what if, yeah, in three weeks I don't feel better. And then I just missed out on three weeks and then of taking your it. Yeah. 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 But we decided not to take it. Um, and I never did. Um, therapy was enough for me, um, which, you know, once again, is not always the case. And there's completely no shame or anything. If it, yeah. if you need to get on medication, it's completely fine. Um it was just a personal decision that we had made, you know, for myself and thankfully therapy was enough for me. Yeah. So, so yeah, things got better. Um, I was just going to ask where are we in timeline of what, of where you really felt like the light was like, you were at the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. So within a couple of weeks, really. So all Good. this happened in like early to mid June, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, And by like mid July, I was feeling better and I was getting ready to go back to work around this time. Like my 12 weeks were up. I was going to go back to work. We talked about that a lot in therapy and how that was going to be. I got daycare set up with him, which was, like I said, something I wasn't planning on doing, but something that I ended up finding, which was a Mm -hmm. stressful process. Um, Because as a nurse, like it's not just as easy as like, let's find a five day a week daycare. I knew that. I didn't want him to go to daycare five days a week. I just needed like a day off without him. Um, So yeah, I found an in-home nanny that a friend of mine recommended um, and that ended up working out. But the process of finding her was a little bit stressful. And yeah, I went back to work and getting back to work helped so much. Um, Yeah. You know, I think you know, you talked about last week about how you got back from maternity leave and like you talked about your postpartum anxiety and then how you went back to work and you get a lot of um, messages and whatnot from your Canadian followers and people that live in Europe and they just feel so bad for the women that live in the U S <laughs> I know because we know. get these like crappy 12 weeks of yeah. maternity leave and, and, you know, it's, it's like good and bad. I mean, really for me going back to work, it was very therapeutic. I needed to go back to work so I can, I can see the good and bad, but for me, yeah, it helped that I was able to get back into work, doing what I love, feeling like fulfilled outside of being a mom. You know, I always knew that I wanted to be a mom, but it's like not my life. You know, it's not what my whole entire life was made up of at that point. And I needed to to get my feet back into work and be around my coworkers who I adore and love and like who are my 
some of my best friends. Um, taking care of patients and just- yeah. And just like not thinking about my yeah. baby all the time. I mean, I just, you know, I'm just, I'm not that person, honestly, looking back, yeah. it's really funny that I wanted to have this breastfeeding journey because I'm not somebody that wants anybody to be around me constantly. Um, <laughs> So yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to me to think like that. I want is not to your love that. language either. So. It's not, we, Lisa <laughs> and I have talked about love languages a lot over the years and physical touch is not my love language at yeah. all. Yeah. Like at all. That's I don't, actually you know, a good, ever want you to touch me. I like, know that's actually <laughs> a good insight for people who may be struggling with that aspect of breastfeeding. Cause there, there's a lot of touching, yeah. a lot of touching when you breastfeed a baby. And it's weird now because like, I love to give my boys hugs and like yeah. love to kiss them and whatnot. But yeah, yeah. I, you know, it just, I, it didn't when align. Not, and yeah. when you're not, you're not feeling full in other aspects of your life and sure. your love language is, n- is not touch and you're yes. constantly being touched. It can be like super repulsive. Super almost. Yeah. Repulsive, yeah. Right? And right. yeah, it was weird. Um, yeah. it was weird. It took me a while to realize that though, like months yeah. and months and months and no, months. I, that's, that makes like total sense to me. Well, Tiffany, I want to jump forward a little bit, probably two months forward, and talk about something very significant that happened. But unfortunately, guys, we're going to have to do it on the next episode. Sorry, I hate to, I hate cliffhangers, but we got to give you a cliffhanger. <laughs> so stay tuned for the next episode of the Mommy Laborers podcast. Tiffany is going to pick up right where she left off and tell us her her cliffhanger surprise that happens. Um, Yeah, so stay tuned for next episode. All right, so that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast, so I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week.